0: Now, all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis.
1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers, and we welcome back uh, to our program the newly reelected treasurer of the state of North Carolina, the 28th treasurer of the state, uh, and just recently reelected for his second term. Treasurer of North Carolina, of course, is Dale Falwell, who oversees a more than $90 billion in pension investments for the more than 950,000 teachers, firefighters, and public employees in North Carolina, as well as the state's health plan, and, and of course, a number of other things. Dale, welcome back and congratulations on your uh, election. And uh, I know you are ready to get back to work. And uh, we haven't had an update from you in some time. And of course, during this period of time, we have had a tremendous amount of impact on our economy due to the COVID-19 situation. So why don't you, first of all, talk about how that has affected all of the various areas of your, uh, uh, your concerned with as state treasurer.
2: Well, thank you, Don, and uh, thank your listeners. I almost had the big Fred Sanford one uh, when you said $90 billion pension plan. It's over $110 billion now. I thought we'd lost $20 billion overnight. But uh, very pleased to report that uh, there's been a lot of attention, as you know, Don, uh, about how we flatten the healthcare curve of this state. But uh, all of our attention needs to be equally focused on how we flatten the economic curve of this state. Uh, obviously, uh, with what's happened, uh, the stock market's making new highs, which is helping our pension plan, uh, interest rates making new lows, which is hurting the pension plan. But it's helping us as we're issuing debt on behalf of the state. Uh, but in addition to all that, uh, we are creating a lot of poverty in this state and economic inequalities because there's a lot of people in North Carolina uh, across your listener uh, ship who make their living with their hands, their back, and their feet. Of course, their hearts and their minds, and and uh, they're really struggling right now, especially in rural
1: North Carolina. Uh. The uh, pension itself, though, as you said, is, has not done, uh, the investments uh, have not, uh, they fare fairly well. I'm trying to say that it just wouldn't come out for some reason or another, but they, they fare fairly well.
2: Well, anytime you talk about billions, it's hard for it to come out. But uh, this is one of the, this is the 26th largest pool of public money in the world to sort of put that in context for your listeners we are paying out over $550 million every 30 days for pension benefits. That's over $6.5 billion per year in gross pension benefits. And uh, the plan, as I just stated, uh, is at $110 billion. That has never been at that level in the history of North Carolina. And Moody's, a year ago almost, uh, came out and said that this pension plan is uh number one in the country in terms of its ability to withstand an economic shock and continue to be funded and by gosh who could have imagined what last october would be facing this saint patrick's day of this very year so you know being a participant in one of these pension plans those that teach those that protect and those that otherwise serve with all the angst and anxiety that's in their lives right now the safety and the security in this pension plan is not and should not be one of them.
1: Well, last week we had uh, Tim Moore on our program and he was talking about the economic situation the state is going to face. And one of the things he was talking about was perhaps a road construction bond. But uh, I wanted to turn a little bit more uh, away uh, and focus a little bit on another topic we talked about. And that's the fact that we've got a number of counties in North Carolina who were already struggling with their budget shortfalls before the pandemic, and now are even in uh, considerably worse shape. uh, As we've talked about so many times, and as we talked about with uh, Speaker Moore last week, North Carolina is sort of a have and have not situation in the state. We've got a number of counties that are doing extraordinarily well, but we have a number of counties that are facing uh, really severe budget problems so how are you dealing with that in your office and how does that affect what you do well let's put this in some
2: context because i know your listeners uh uh, come in and out of different segments so one number one as far as transportation very quickly uh we at the treasurer's office have issued more debt on behalf of the dot and refunded more debt in the last 23 days than in any period of time in the history of our state uh we just uh got out of the oven 700 million dollars of built-in C bonds for transportation <clears throat> this was legislated by the general assembly and that interest rate was 1.53 uh, percent on average we just did a over half a billion dollar refinancing for the turnpike authority bonds to take advantage of lower rates which produced a net present value of, of about 14 million dollars we just issued $400 million worth of general obligation bonds uh, that were voter approved over four years ago. And those bonds went out at about 1.4%. So we've issued, we're going coming up on refunding or issued nearly $2 billion worth of debt in the last 22 days, which is a Herculean effort on behalf of the folks here at the treasurer's office who do that kind of work. But to specifically go back to your question, uh, I'm very concerned as you said even before COVID about what's happening to rural North Carolina especially eastern rural North Carolina the blood that runs through me Don is Quaker and one of the spices of the Quaker religion is to be fair and just but for all the Methodists on the show you know that every year the Methodists pick a word to focus on and the word a few years ago was context put everything in context so let me put your question very briefly in context I was the drive-through commencement speaker uh, this year at Terrell High School, Columbia High School in Terrell County. It's the only high school in the county. Thirty-eight graduates. Terrell County is the last county you would go through if you and I were to go to the Outer Banks today. The number of people in that county is about equal to the student-faculty population at Myers Park High School in Charlotte. And what your listeners may not know is that half the property in that county is non-taxable because of who owns it and you know property taxes is what drives proper public funding education public safety public works and public roads now the real kicker to all this don is that in the last between st patrick's day and july 4th this county suffered a 26 percent decline in their sales tax revenue so the population of a big high school in charlotte half the property is non-taxable 26 percent decline in sales tax revenue so your concern about what's happening in rural north carolina especially eastern rural north carolina is absolutely legitimate and this was something that was had been brewing it's not a revolution associated with covid this has been an evolving issue for the last 20 years in north carolina
1: well, you know, we talk about some of the smaller counties. We've got some western North Carolina counties that, while the population is small, they benefit from uh, being in resort areas and having a high tax base. For example, Avery County has a lot of uh, what you call seasonal residents that have condos and summer places, and that uh, their tax base is, uh, is uh, beautiful compared to their population. They they uh, have the uh, the the opposite of what's happening in Tyrell County.
2: Well, they do. And uh, one reason which uh, it's not gonna make much sense uh, to your listeners, but if you think about it, and the only thing I have to hold up here, I was gonna hold up a pack of naps, but this is actually a map of North Carolina. And if you turn this map sideways, it's hard for your uh, viewers, listeners to visualize this we have as, about as much border with other states as California does with other states. But as smart as your listeners are, none of them can name a major population center in California that borders another state. Think about ours, going to your point. Asheville, Charlotte, Wilmington, some degree, Rocky Mount, Raleigh, Durham, Greensboro, Mississippi, and Boone my point is when you have that much border with other states especially in the western part of our state money will go where it's invited and stay where it's spent and county a lot of western counties are the beneficiary of a lot of that with the major population centers in uh, knoxville and atlanta and the like we have a lot of residents in north carolina don as you very well know who live closer to four other state capitals than they do raleigh north carolina So not only do I appreciate you taking newsmakers out to those stations that you own in the western part of North Carolina, but it's uh, also important to understand the situation they're in geographically as it relates to bordering other
1: states. Well, North Carolina, uh, of course, has a a number of unique situations that we share with other states. Uh, The Charlotte market, of course, as far as the television market, about a third of the market is actually in South Carolina. Uh, And... uh, but every district in North Carolina is a little different. And, of course, as we've said dozens of times, that Piedmont Crescent plus the Greenville area, the Wilmington area, the Asheville area, they're doing just fine. Uh, but uh, the General Assembly, as we discussed with Speaker Moore last week, has to look after the entire state. And so what do you see as the solution for these uh, smaller and more isolated counties that don't really have a long-range future? Transparency, data,
2: Consistent policies that don't put them at a further disadvantage. We can talk about those if you like. But more important than anything else is the ability to partner with people and challenge assumptions where you don't get your feelings hurt. And What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is I don't think a lot of people really knew that in this county that's struggling so bad, Terrell County, that half the property is non-taxable. That's an issue. Or when the governor decided to consolidate the prison population out of that county into Bertie and Pasquotank County this time last year, he blew a 30-foot hole through the uh, water and sewer finances of that county. Just just little things like that, that we need to be willing to challenge assumptions about getting our feelings hurt.
1: I guess is uh, the treasurer of the state of North Carolina, Dale Falwell, and we'll be back with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers right after we take time out for these messages.
0: I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95... not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.
1: Only you can prevent wildfires.
0: I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. It was very hard for me, but Miss Araceli, she gave me direction.
3: At age 47, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50%
0: of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work.
3: No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
0: We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's
1: Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest, a frequent guest in our program, the treasurer of the state of North Carolina, recently reelected to serve a second term, uh, Dale Falwell. And uh, part of the treasurer's office, uh, as we've discussed many times, is covering and uh, being responsible for the state, state health plan, which is a division of his, uh, his office that covers more than 700,000 state employees, retirees, and their dependents. Uh, so bring us up to date on where that stands. I know you did a lot of work on that in your first term. What the work remains, and uh, what are the are how uh, the items that are high on your agenda for the next uh, term?
2: Well, what's high on our agenda is what's is exactly what's been on our agenda to get rid of secret contracts in healthcare. Uh, when you're my age, Don, uh, you realize today is Senior Citizen Day at, at Harris Teeter. Now, why should your listeners care about that? The reason they should care is that people of this state know how to consume if they're given the information and the, and the tools to consume with. And they consume in every other aspect of their life except when it comes to healthcare. As you have uh, pointed out and many of your listeners know, I battled a very intense form of COVID-19 toward the end of March that required a, a, a six-day hospitalization, most of which was an ICU at, at Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem. And I uh, just now recently got my explanation of benefit and you can't tell from that EOB whether I had COVID or I had my gallbladder removed. It's the only thing in their life, unlike a credit card bill or any other itemized thing that they deal with or that you don't know the value and the price of it. Why should that matter to your listeners? Number one is, as Warren Buffett said almost, almost a year ago, that rising healthcare costs are the tapeworm on the U.S. economy. <clears throat> the second reason you should care about this, if you're a teacher, trooper, uh, if you teach, protect, or otherwise serve, is that these rising health care costs are eating at your paycheck in ways that you, you can't really see. It's really invisible. And the third thing that should really matter uh, to your listeners about this is that is that we cannot continue to have privatized health care if we don't have transparent health care. If we're not willing to push the power down to the consumer so that they can determine the quality, value, and the price of what it is they're consuming, eventually these costs will go up to such a degree that nobody will be able to pay them anymore. Why that matters to me is, as you correctly pointed out, the state health plan has over 740,000 participants. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you were to add up the employment base of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, Jamie Dimon's J.P. Morgan Bank, and Jeff Bezos's Amazon. If you were to combine all the U.S. employees of those three companies, that is about the equal to the buying power of the state health plan. We are the largest purchaser of healthcare and pharmaceuticals on behalf of those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve, and we have a loyalty only to them, not to the big healthcare cartels and not to big drug companies. To do it better and more efficiently. Uh, on their behalf. We're very pleased, we've got some great news. We have uh, over 27,000 providers of healthcare who have signed on to the Clear Pricing Project. Now the Clear Pricing Project is so complicated. Get rid of secret contracts and push the power to the consumer, that's it. And uh, one of those um, providers, for example, has 120,000 patients. So it's not 27,000 patients, it's 27,000 providers. ECU physicians who are also part of the clear pricing, trying medical in Charlotte, which I just mentioned part of clear pricing. These people have tens and tens of thousands of patients. We just had more folks sign on to clear pricing. So that's great news. Obviously the the hospital, which is all the decisions are made by an association. Uh, They have chosen to boycott those that teach, protect and otherwise serve. So we're still paying somewhere between 80 and 800% of Medicare reimbursement rates uh, to those organizations. But the fact is that anyone who's in favor of secret contracts in healthcare is going to be on the wrong side of history. And we're gonna be on the right side of history of getting rid of secret contracts and pushing the power. The other great news very briefly is that the state health plan board uh, that I chair, we just announced that we're eliminating all costs for. insulin starting next year the cost of insulin in some respects Don has gone up threefold in seven years and insulin is not like synthroid which is a thyroid drug uh, if you don't adhere to your insulin it's going to very quick rapidly turn into something much more more painful and more costly for the individual and for the state health plan so we're eliminating all the cost of insulin uh, for those uh, under the age of 65 who aren't on medicare advantage that's because they're on different formulary. We just announced that we're extending all the testing and treatment for uh, COVID-related illnesses. So there's a lot of things that we're doing in the state health plan uh, to focus on figuring out what's right, getting it right, keeping it right, and getting rid of secret contracts.
1: Another area of uh, concern of your office is the oversight of state and community banks. And of course, we have a banking situation that has national banks and state banks, How about sort of explaining how that works and why do we have two systems?
2: Well, we have two systems because, uh, there was a two sets of regulatory bodies. I don't know how long they've been around, but I'm the chair of the state banking commission and it's under the auspices of the commissioner of banks, uh, Ray Grace, who's been there for a great number of years. And, uh, the, uh, State Banking Commission that I regulate, regulates all the state chartered banks and savings and loans. Now, people might think, well, gosh, they must be really tiny, but <laughs> our two biggest customers obviously are BB&T Truist and uh, First Citizens. Those remain state chartered banks, and uh, we have a good reputation in North Carolina of, uh, of conservatively uh, regulating our, our banking uh, banks in North Carolina. Because ultimately, it's banks and bankers, especially local bankers who, who eventually liberate people and give them the opportunities to have the joy of achievement in their life uh, as entrepreneurs and business people and home, home buyers. So uh, we're very proud of our uh, state charter banks and savings and loans. We've just announced over the last couple of years we've had our first uh, creation of new banks in North Carolina, first time since the great financial crisis. And these are vitally important, especially in rural North Carolina, to provide capital to those individuals who who have the joy of achievement and want upward mobility in their lives.
1: Treasurer uh, Falwell, we also hear a lot about uh, broad, broadband in North Carolina. And I know this is uh, not an area that is directly under you, but it is going to require funding. Is that something that would be better done with a bond issue or do we have other sources that would enable us to complete the broadband picture in North Carolina?
2: Well I thought you were lobbing one of those Don Curtisisms at me when you said it's not under me but it actually is under all of us <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, figuratively and uh, uh, it's a very important issue especially in, in rural North Carolina but it's not just a rural issue we it's estimated, uh, for example, in West and Forsyth County Schools, I believe as I used to be on the school boards, 126th largest public school system in the United States. I think it's estimated that nearly 20% of the kids, this is up until August, Labor Day, over t- almost 20% of the kids in that big urban district had not signed on to an educational computer since St. Patrick's Day. So <clears throat> this issue of access and the poverty that's being created people not having access to in-person public education is a very serious issue and broadband access is one of those things. We would ultimately become involved uh, with broadband uh, as it relates to communities who wanna borrow money to to shoot broadband cable. But it's, it's another way of me just adding one more thing onto your question, it's not just the thing, it's under us, it's physically under us, meaning in the ground but there is about $50 billion uh, worth of all kinds of infrastructure that's under the streets and the land of, the, of North Carolina, not above us, but actually below us. So all these issues become vitally important uh, as we think about how we have strong legs and arms of this state, uh, which I consider to be rural North Carolina economically.
1: Now, the state, of course, has a requirement for a balanced budget. The federal government does not. And so I understand from Speaker Moore and from others that we're looking for aid from, as all the states are, from the federal government who can borrow money. How much money do you anticipate will come in from the federal government, and how will that work, and will that ever be paid back?
2: I think the national debt is the single biggest national security issue of this country. We are at levels now that none of us thought were even pronounceable much less manageable <laughs> I would say that uh, North Carolina to to make your listeners feel a little better after what I just said I chair the debt affordability commission of this state and that's well, one of the 21 major duties and responsibilities as the state treasurer and uh we have a debt affordability commission that sets ceilings not floors but ceilings on the amount of debt that North Carolina should be issuing and it's the reason, one reason, one of many reasons why we've been able to maintain a strong AAA bond rating during all this economic volatility. I would wish that every state had a AAA bond rating, but the fact is only 13 of us have the, all the AAA bond ratings. Uh, and I predict this time next year, it's going to be less than 13. Why does that matter to your listeners? Fortunately, they don't wake up and think about AAA bond ratings or assume rates of return or or actuarial assumptions or life expectancies on a pension plan or transparent healthcare cost, they wake up thinking about the normal things of public education, public safety, public works, and public roads. And having this AAA bond rating means a lot in terms of us being able to borrow money at the lowest possible interest rates. And that's why all this is, is vitally important uh, going forward.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's certainly an interesting situation under normal uh, times, all of these things that are under your uh, jurisdiction and your responsibility, but even more so during the, uh, the current economic situation brought about about the, because of COVID-19 and the pandemic. Our guest is Dale Falwell. He is uh, the 28th treasurer of the state of North Carolina, recently reelected, and we will be back with another session uh, right after we take a time out. And when we do come back, we're going to talk about unclaimed cash, which could be some money in your pocket. And we'll do that right after these messages.
3: The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi.
0: Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong.
1: Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense.
3: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's, now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi guys. (coughs) When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund.
0: Now once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis.
1: Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Dale Falwell is our guest. He uh, has served our state in uh, many capacities. Of course, he's a CPA by training. He was a four-term member of the North Carolina House of Representatives and then worked as Assistant Secretary of Commerce before seeking uh, election as the uh, the Office of State Treasurer. And, this, of course, as we have said several times in this program, has just recently been re-elected for another four-year term. We like to talk about unclaimed cash because uh, this could be some money that uh, – Your your office is holding uh, because uh, the person who had it, uh, first of all, had no legal claim to it. And secondly, didn't know how to get in touch with the people who do. So tell me uh, how much is in that fund and and how do people find out if indeed their name is on the good list? Well, uh, a
2: couple of things, and I'll be very clear that uh, the official word for this is called the Escheats Fund. But I used to stutter. And I'm advised not to use that word on the radio very often because it could
1: yeah. come out. Could you come could out. get in trouble with that one in a hurry.
2: Yeah, and uh, you could lose your license. We you wouldn't want that. So uh, anyway, uh, NC Cash. Uh, last time I was on your show, had about 750 million. Now has nearly 900 million. And even though the payouts have gone up 81 percent this year, as pe- more people have been home and been able to go to their computer and fill out claims and do computer work our payouts this year are up 81 percent but the amount of money we're getting in from the people who hold this money that doesn't belong to them is it's also increasing so there's two things i really want to be clear it's not you may have you do have uh, there's no way statistically that many of your listeners don't have something at nccash.com so the reason is mathematical we have over 11.5 million records of things that belong to people. We only have 10 million people. So your chances are good that when you go to nccash.com, punch in your name, your maiden name, your kids' names, or your parents' names, and uh, I guarantee you that somebody will have something there. Now, uh, I don't go to a psychiatrist because I determined at an early age, I've never seen a motorcycle parked outside of a psychiatrist's office. So I do go to Honda Can-Am and Winston-Salem and work on Saturdays where I used to work for nearly six years just to, you know, get regrounded. And I went after the election. I walked in. uh, The receptionist was there. Two of her family members were standing there and a small business owner, maybe even a veterinarian, came in to the Honda Can-Am and Winston-Salem there. And three of the five adults standing at that receptionist desk at a motorcycle shop. Had something at NCcash.com, so not only check your name, you may name your kids' names, your parents' names, but also check your business's name. And what this is is the last paycheck, a uh, rent deposit, a dividend check that somebody tried to mail to you but it got returned, and eventually that to bring that to NCcash. Uh, now it looks like you and Jason are in pretty good shape, but we also have some other things at NCcash.com. If any of your listeners happen to be missing any of these four items baby teeth, silver teeth, gold teeth, and false teeth. You may also find them at NC Cash. And now that I've gotten everybody's attention, the reason is is that all the abandoned lock boxes in this state, when the rent's not paid, they get drilled out, the contents get sent to us. But to be far more reverent for just a moment, which is not our nature, we were able to return some World War II medals recently to a family who had been looking for them for over 12 years. So, go to NC Cash. There's no charge to look up your name or it's all public record. There's no charge to make your claim.
3: Now, we've got some
2: other great news, and I want to share that with you. We've started something called NC Cash Match. This is some legislation that we got passed this year with the General Assembly. And basically, if it says Don Curtis lives at uh, 100 Highways, Highways Boulevard, Don Curtis has been there 27 years, and everything matches up through all of our data match systems. Instead of going through all the bureaucracy and all the paperwork for claims under $250, we have started a small pilot. And I'll explain why we had to start small. We started a small pilot program, but we're going to be sending you a letter, Don Curtis. If that letter is, does not get returned to us for being undeliverable, undeliverable, then eight weeks later, we automatically send you a check and we're done. We estimate that nearly $250 million of this $900 million can be sent back to the their rightful owner through this nccashmatch.com. Uh, it's nothing that your listeners can do. They can go and do the other system, which is NCCash. NCCash Match is an automated system. And the reason we're having to start slow is we had to test the U.S. Postal Service. We had to see from the day we sent out these envelopes Reasonably, how long we should expect for something to come back undeliverable. And we've determined it's about six and a half or seven weeks. And so far, of the thousand or so that we have, uh, 5,000 that we've sent out, we've got uh, less than 15 returns. That means that we have nearly 5,000 people that we're going to be sending their check to. Some of them are $62.83, some of them are $248.48. This is an automatic way to cut bureaucracy, run things more efficiently, and get people their money back uh, as quickly as possible.
1: Uh, You know, I would never thought about, I've checked NC Cash and had been the beneficiary of finding some money that uh, was either due me or one of my relatives, but I've never thought about checking the business names. That's that's, uh, an entirely different category, so I guess I need to do that.
2: Well, you need to do that, and of course, uh, I would just ask that you uh, tie 10% of that
1: back to the Wake County Salvation Army when you find it. Well, that's something I'll be glad to do. I'll be (laughs) glad to do that. Uh, The other area that we've talked about from time to time is uh, you also uh, are finding out uh, there are a number of people who are taking advantage of the system and actually committing fraud, either in the pension system and getting payments that they're not due, or disability overpayments. Uh, How how are you proceeding as far as uh, correcting that situation?
2: Well, uh, as I said earlier, the blood that runs through me is Quaker and one of the spices of the Quaker religion is to be fair and just. Uh, In this volatile world right now, with all the things dividing our state and our country, uh, none of that exists at the Treasurer's office. There's no Democrat, Republican, independent libertarian money at the Treasurer's office. There's no black and white and brown money at the Treasury's office there's no uh male female money at the treasurer's office it's all green and what i mean by fair and just don is that we don't pick and choose which laws to apply or who to apply them to when we determine that anyone either the disability plan state health plan either as a provider or a patient we're seeing fraud on both ends or the pension plan in terms of receiving pension benefits any dollar We're not going to talk about thousands or millions right now. We're going to talk about $1, any dollar that goes to a person who's not deserving of it is a dollar that can never, ever go to a person who is. And that's why we have a great team here at the state treasurer's office. And as keepers of the state's public purse, we take all that very seriously, whether it is a public servant who's convicted of a crime, who has to forfeit some of their pension, or somebody that was claiming and receiving disability benefits and it was ultimately determined uh, they weren't entitled to it, or it was a provider who was frauding the state health plan by overbilling. We don't pick and choose which laws to apply and who to apply them to.
1: Well, you know, I think this is something a little bit like uh, from time to time. People uh, are not as concerned about shoplifting because they think that the the, uh, people who are paying for it is the store, the truth of the matter is, the store has to mark up the price of the merchandise to cover for the shoplifting. And so, consequently, anytime you see shoplifting, you're paying for part of it if you don't turn it in. And it's the same thing with pension payments and uh, uh, disability overpayments. That money, as you said, uh, is uh, keeping someone else from getting a dollar. Uh, or some organization or some government program a dollar or so that they wouldn't get that they should get. So it's everybody's responsibility when they see it. So if someone knows of a case where someone is taking advantage of the pension system or a disability overpayment, what should they do?
2: Well, I have a lot of numbers on the tip of my tongue, uh, but we have a fraud hotline number that I don't have the tip on the tip of my tongue. And I I apologize for that. But, we do have a fraud hotline at the treasurer's office. I think people can go to nctreasurer.com and, uh, and actually uh, find out the number for the fraud hotline and maybe even submit some information anonymously. Uh, we get all kinds of uh, tips into the fraud hotline, and, and a lot of them are good. You know, one thing that uh, when I say we don't pick and choose which laws to apply or who to apply them to regarding the pension plan, uh, unfortunately, uh, we have had situations where public servants who put their left hand on the Bible and raise their right hand uphold the laws and the constitutions of the community and the state. We have public servants who servants who are committing crimes while in their public service duties, and uh, the felony forfeiture law says if you're convicted of one of these felonies, then we at the treasurer's office are supposed to go in and recalculate your pension and take away those years of service. Uh, for the time that you were convicted. Now, we're not talking about the conviction of something that had nothing to do with your official duties. We're talking about people who are committing crimes. And uh, the first person I had to apply this to, uh, it was a Republican member of the North Carolina Senate. One of the last big ones I had to apply this to was the Republican Register of Deeds of of Wake County. And that case just uh, went to the Court of Appeals, by the way. And my point of saying that to you is is that this money, as you very correctly pointed out, any dollar that's incorrectly sent to someone, is a dollar that can never be going toward the right purpose.
1: You mentioned your website. I I suspect, and we've got about a minute that you can uh, talk about this. What else is available on your website? And of course, how do people get uh, access to it? Well, it's
2: nctreasurer.com, not .gov, but .com. And people can go there. Of course, embedded in there is all of our press releases about all these issues with with healthcare and pension and and, and uh, issuing debt, um, and uh, nc and then they can get more information about just the breadth and depth of what it really means to be keepers of the public purse. This is not just 110 billion dollar pension plans; nearly 200 billion dollars, which is eight times the size of the state budget.
1: So that's nctreasurer.com, as you said, not gov, and that's a little unusual for a government agency. nctreasurer.com. Our guest is Dale Falwell, and uh, we're going to have one final segment. And uh, during that time, we're going to talk about uh, the upcoming session of the General Assembly and and some legislation that may affect your office and your duties. And we'll do that when we return right after these messages.
2: As an 18-year-old... I let my mistakes kinda take over my life. I was .5 credits away from completing high school
3: and I didn't do it. 10 years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma.
2: When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a
3: person. My support team is amazing the educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter. She's been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
0: Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. A reminder, this program is uh, heard in two different forms. Some stations carry a half-hour version, and so there are two segments of the program that you do not hear. But you can hear them by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. And we had those two sessions uh, identified and segmented out, and you can listen to those segments. And and this particular program, they're very interesting. So if you are, again, listening to a half-hour version and would like some more content on today's program, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Dale Falwell is our guest, the recently re-elected 28th treasurer of the state of North Carolina. Uh, as uh, we said last week, uh, we had uh, Tim more on and we discussed the General Assembly and the problems the state is going to be facing. And uh, uh, you, too, will, of course, be dealing with the General Assembly. Having been there four terms, you know what these people go through. So, what are some of the uh, some of the what is some of the legislation that you will either propose or might be uh, legislation that affects your office? Uh, uh, what are the things you're looking for out of this session of the general assembly? Well, for us, it starts with uh,
2: making sure that, uh, from the appropriation standpoint, that we continue to fully fund the pension plan. And, and fund the state health plan. Uh, for those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve behind their health, their faith, and their family, the two most important things in their lives are the solvency and sustainability of the pension and the state health plan, not just for this generation, but for the next generation of, of public service workers. So those are first and foremost. Uh, we do have some technical issues that we would like to correct, uh, for example, when I talked in the last segment about NC Cash, we got enabling legislation to start a pilot program to get uh, more of the NC Cash money back into the hands of its rightful owners. So we'll have a long laundry list in our financial operations division, in our investment management division, and our state health plan division, our unclaimed property division, and into our retirement division and the local government commission that can. Uh, assist us in figuring out what's right, get it, getting it right, and keeping it right. And you know, you mentioned in the uh, in the in the commercial there about the the election. And you know, there's one thing about being the keeper of the public first and the state treasurer, North Carolina. You don't do that once every four years. You do it every day of the year. And and uh, just really proud in this uh, COVID environment how well our uh, organization has remained in the check delivery business because. Ultimately, that's what people are expecting out of the treasurer's office is to be able to deliver checks.
1: Well, the entire program, you've talked about things that you're uh, looking at as far as establishing new programs. Uh, as you uh, look at the year ahead, in year two, uh, 2021, uh, have, have you established a set of goals that you hope to accomplish in the next 12 months?
2: Well, the, the, over, the
1: overarching goal is
2: is to remain loyal uh, to those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve, and taxpayers like them. Uh, we have no loyalty to big Wall Street, no loyalty to big healthcare conglomerates, and no loyalty to big drug companies. And when you have, when you have that loyalty, uh, our goals, obviously, as I said earlier, to keep the pension plan fully funded. This pension plan was just designated by our consultant to be in the zero percentile. Now, I was in the zero percentile a lot when I was in grammar school, and you, know, you were the one, you were the one of blowing the curve off when I was in grammar school. But being the zero percentile in terms of the expenses of the running the pension plan, <clears throat> the lowest cost of any of our peers. And that's something to be very proud of because it doesn't matter if it's fraud or expense, any dollar that's inefficiently spent inside this pension plan is a dollar that can never be spent for benefits. So uh, as far as the, the goals is to, is to keep the plan fully funded and, and to continue to focus on, on uh, the, how we sustain this plan, not just for this generation, but the next generation of public service workers. And that's gonna be very difficult for a lot of states, even those that border us. who are facing the tremendous headwinds that we're facing, zero interest rates, when you're trying to invest money in the interest bearing accounts, getting zero is not a good outcome. Uh, Increased life expectancies, people getting benefits longer, which is a blessed event. People retiring earlier, which is a blessed event, which means money's leaving the plan earlier than ever thought. So these are just examples of some of the things that we have a whole list of these things, not just with the Investment Management Division and the Pension Plan, but with other parts of the Treasurer's Office.
1: At uh, one time in your career, of course, you headed the Employment Security Commission and now we're going to have an awful lot of unemployment claims and while that's not your direct responsibility anymore of course the funds and the money will ultimately be there uh so uh, are, are we going to be okay and handling our unemployment claims and if not what are we going to do about it well this will be a little
2: bit like a country music song uh, i'll burn you down then i'll build you back up the 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 backlog at the unemployment agency is something that uh, people this this uh, state have, have, are frustrated with. But that agency was hit with a volcano and an earthquake all at the same time, uh, the likes of which none of us have ever seen with nearly a million people unemployed in North Carolina. The good news is that unlike seven years ago, when I was in charge of that agency, we have nearly $2.5 billion surplus In the unemployment trust fund to pay out benefits so even though there's frustration with the backlog at least the money's there and that is highly important because when i was in charge of that agency we had 2.7 billion in debt that means don that every week when we paid out benefits we had to borrow the money from the federal government to pay out benefits and pay interest on it but more importantly for those in your audience that run their small and medium large businesses who sharpen their pencil Those debts that the unemployment trust fund had resulted in them paying higher payroll taxes in the form of FUTA, federal, and SUTA, state unemployment taxes. And I know that's a little bit too detailed, but just this is something that everybody can understand. We were actually increasing payroll taxes on employers while we were asking them to retain or hire people during a recession. It's the most perverse thing you could ever do economically. So the great news is that unlike some border states who are already dipped into their negative balance in their unemployment trust fund I think we still nearly have still have nearly 2.5 billion dollar of unemployment trust fund money in North Carolina and that's great news.
1: And it uh, and the economy is slowly but surely getting back to normal and of course uh, you had your own uh, on a personal vote you had your own bout with uh, with uh, COVID-19 and and I know that uh, that was a interesting time in your life, and we're so thankful, of course, that you have fully recovered and back to work and so forth. But uh, many, many people had their entire life and their businesses and careers totally uh, turned upside down with that situation. And so it's, it's a matter that we're going to be living with for some time. Uh, so what's on the very top of your list as you go to work uh, next week?
2: Well... What remains on the top of my list is to obviously be thankful for uh, my friends and family and, and the hardworking employees here at the, at the State Treasurer's Office. And to understand that uh, I have always believed that God possibly made everyone better at something than anyone else in the world. Possibly better at, never, never better than. And what I'm trying to do is the Keeper of the public person, state treasurer in North Carolina, is to be the best state treasurer in, in, in North Carolina history. And that's going to be hard to do because there's been great ones. But, and to always remember the forgotten woman and forgotten man in this state who have too little money to have political influence, too much money to get help from time
1: to time. And all they do is work, pay taxes, and pray for a better outcome. Our guest has been Dale Folwell, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week on Carolina Newsmakers.